All right, welcome to Outrageously Unnecessary, a podcast all about the ridiculous things that rich people have bought or done through the ages, because as long as there have been rich people, they have been buying incredibly stupid crap with their money, so let's talk about it. I'm your host, Haley, and over there is my co-host, Steven. Hey guys, how we doing? We doing pretty good. We doing pretty good. good. It's been a little bit since we've recorded, about a month-ish, so sorry about that, Guilted Gang. But again, I feel like we start off every episode this way. You just know us and love us by now, yeah. right? Yeah, you, you got to feel that they're used to it by now, that it does, it's not even a thing anymore. It's like, yeah, we know, but we're still here for you. Yes, and that's why we love them. So, uh, yeah, no, it's been a a bit of a time, as I was explaining to uh, Stephen off-air. Basically, uh, I've been adopted by a stray cat. Uh, She's big, and she's white, and she's fluffy, so we named her Mashed Potato. Uh, That is what I've been dealing with for the the past little bit, and she's adorable. I love that uh, you're the one that's adopted in this scenario, not the other way around. (laughs) oh yeah no cats absolutely like that's how you get a cat you don't go out and search for one they just kind of show up (laughs) (laughs) but no you're absolutely correct about the cat is not your pet you are its pet (laughs) oh yes no i have been chosen yeah (laughs) me and me and garrett have been chosen to be the owners of this cat so now we own a cute outdoor cat named mashed potato and she's slowly getting used to life and um just makes tiny me (laughs) And, That's so cute. and I love her. I love it so right. much. Mm-hmm. Have you been doing anything interesting, my sweet Steve? Oh man, interesting. No, uh, nothing too interesting. Um, really, just a lot of work. Work's been super slow, which is super odd. Uh, Very good compared to the last like six months that you've had to work. Yeah, out. absolutely. No, you're absolutely correct. Um, it's been a really slow start to the summer. I, I think it's going to pick up here pretty soon. Um, a lot of our um, our customer base is food service based, and now with you know the pandemic kind of winding down, things are opening up again. Um, I, I know in, in some states, I know in Oklahoma, the majority of Oklahoma, they lifted the mask mandate. And people are, you know, have been going out to, to restaurants and eating food, or going to, and obviously going to the grocery store and, and buying food. And um, so I think just because of that, um, obviously, you know, we're seeing a lot of higher prices for, for for you know meat, poultry, and other sort of staples, milk, eggs, things like that. A lot of our customer base deals in staples, so you know mm-hmm. it, it it may feel slow right now. I guarantee you by the end of the summer. Oh yeah. By the end of the summer, it's going to just be going to be bananas. And you know what? Fingers crossed then that as, as the shiznit picks up that we're able to just like keep cranking out, you know, our, our, our typical one episode a month. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I think we can do it. (laughs) uh, But what's, but what's amazing about that is that there are still, and I don't know who you are out there, but there's still people that still find us and still pick us up and still listen to us and like newer people. Oh, and it's amazing. You're absolutely it's correct. amazing. You just hold on, hold on. We'll get to the story, Gilded Gang. But you just brought up a really good point, which is we decided um, I was looking at our statistics online the other day and uh, I saw that we had a spike of 32 downloads from one particular city on the east coast of america and i remember this and i, I just immediately was like 32 that's <laughs> 32 that's how many episodes that we have out right now did somebody download our entire catalog in one day and you know what hey person from sneed's ferry thank you we're yes. looking at you sneed's ferry absolutely and your town is fucking quaint huh it's quaint as shit sneets fairy <laughs> deserves all of the call outs and all of just like hey we immediately loved you because we looked up what you're like like where is sneets fairy and uh the first sign that comes up said i believe home to the shrimp festival yeah yeah home to the shrimp festival 
which is amazing. Yeah, so it, <laughs> it's Sneeds Ferry, North Carolina. Because I fucking love just, shrimp. So. Welcome, welcome to Sneeds Ferry, home of the shrimp festival. There's a big old shrimp on it. So you know what? Gilded Gang meetup Absolutely. in Sneeds Ferry <laughs> the next time that the shrimp festival's in town. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so you know who you are, Sneeds Ferry. Um, let us know when the next shrimp festival's in town. Um, yeah, if you want to reach out to us, Sneeds Ferry, please do. I would love to hear from you. Absolutely. 100%. And you can do that on Instagram or on Twitter or our email. And, like, come find us, Sneeds Ferry. Uh, yeah. All right. That just that just made me very happy. I totally forgot about that for a second, and then you reminded me. Oh, such a good name. Mm. Anyways, Steven... Are we continuing Crazy Cribs today? We are. This is Crazy Cribs Part 3. Part 3? Yes. Super stoked for this one. Because this is a house that I would actually like. If I had just a stupid amount of money. About a mon- amount of money. Like the. And like we'll get into. Like the design of the house is probably not something that I would go to immediately. And think of oh yes. Like I love this type of architecture. I love this type of design. But like what they have in it is class so i'm super excited actually classy or rich people classy because we know that those are two very different things honestly a bit of both if i'm being honest here yeah a a, a bit of both Um, you piqued my interest good 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 um well let me because i've I've got a bunch of pictures so let me pull up my little folder here real quick where are you at there's that one and then i'm gonna go here yeah, so I'm super excited about it. Um, our setting is in the beautiful, tiny community of Evergreen, Colorado. Just a th- Ooh. 30 minutes outside of Denver. You know... That's a good location. Denver and me have a rough, rough history. Um, oh, no! I've only been there one time, and I was... And it made that bad of an impression? Well, see, here's the thing. I didn't really get to experience denver per se but the incident and it is an incident happened in denver um so we this was years ago it was like 12 or 13 we took a uh it was i was part of a church and we, we did this youth group thing where we decided to go to denver and just outside of denver is um there, there's two there's two major like skiing and snowboarding resorts um one of the major ones is breckenridge a lot of people are familiar with it uh, we had to go to Breckenridge for like a... Is the other one Copper Mountain? Yes, I think that's it. Okay. To... Before you get into this, I would like to preface this with saying that my boyfriend's family was in charge of running Copper Mountain for a very long time. And they do... Like, his father has a run named after him. <laughs> so... That's incredible. What a cool fun fact. <laughs> what a cool fun fact his parents currently live in breckenridge so i know exactly where you're talking about and this incident probably happened while garrett was living in summit county uh yeah i mean this was i was 12 so 98 1999 like thereabouts garrett would have been seven yeah yeah okay um so anyway so we're at the ski resort and it's the first day the very, very first day, like we had spent the night beforehand, we, you know, we got in late. The very first day, we go and I've got all my like my snow gear on, and we go to the lodge and we rent. Um, I decided to ski, um, which was a terrible first choice, but I've heard that skiing is much. Oh, skiing's much easier. Much easier to learn than snowboarding. Yeah. Um, so got skis, and we were on our way up to the bunny slopes to um, have our uh, kind of initial kind of training class. You know, this is how you propel. This is how you turn. This is how you stop. Most importantly, this is how you stop. Pizza French fry. Mm-hmm, yep. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Pizza French fry. Yep. Um, anyways, so we do a little class thing and we're getting ready to do the bunny slopes. And I realized a major, major important fact about Steven. I do not do well with high altitude. Oh, <laughs> yeah, you're from one of the flattest parts of the country, so it's not like you've ever really acclimatized to that. So I am making my way down one of the bunny slopes, and I get so sick, I pass out, and I tumble. 
down the rest of the slope. When I get to the bottom, um, they, uh, of course, a, a bunch of people, you know, are around making sure that I'm okay. Like a ski patrol came yeah. after you. Uh, yeah, they, they took me to what's called Vale Valley, which is uh, down at the base of the mountain. Um, it's like their hospital and stuff. And I, I, I just have snippets because I was so sick. I was so sick from oh, my high altitude. No. I was 12 years old. Um, there was a girl in youth group I had a really big crush on, and I fell right in front of her, and it was just a nightmare. It was so bad. Um, this has scarred you so much the, to even just I like know. hear the name Denver. You weren't even near Denver. You're roughly two hours away from Denver. I and know. now you're like, no, no Denver. Absolutely not. I know. Um, but what, what, what really set it off for me, and, and again, like, I need to go back to Denver. I've got a family that lives there now. They, they live in downtown. They're super cool musicians. Like, definitely, definitely going to go visit and experience Denver's it as a really an adult. Cool city. Absolutely. I know it is. But I'm 12 years old. I fell in front of my huge crush. I'm super, super sick. This is my first time. I don't know. My dad is not there. I went without my parents. So it's the youth pastor and the pastor of the church trying to trying to get a hold of my parents, get a hold of my dad, because my, my mom couldn't come, but my dad, he started driving his way up to, no, 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 he flew. He actually, no, he flew uh, up to Denver and then um, rented a car and drove with me back because I was too sick to fly home. But the Denver hospital, for whatever reason, I'm 12 years old and they think I'm on drugs. Like I get to the hospital and they start grilling me about what drugs I'm doing. That's the, a 12 year old. That's the very first thing they do. They start grilling me about what drugs I'm doing. Um, so they, so they're grilling me about that. And then the doctor, um, was just condescending, very mean, very mean to my dad when he finally got there and just very condescending, just like they, they treated me like a drug addict. And so that, uh, I mean, obviously I got better. I was able to go home and stuff. Um, but I got made fun of in youth group for the next couple of years for it. And no. uh, my experience in Denver was people are shitty. And this, oh, yeah. you poor baby. So, yeah, so that's you poor baby. That's <laughs> bad associations. I'm surprised you even chose this crazy crib. No, with even though it's associated with just Colorado in general. It's you okay. saw that and you were like, I'm going to face my fears today. <laughs> I am. Absolutely. You know, and like I said, I've got family that lives in Denver. My wife's older brother lives in Denver and he's an artist. He's a musician. And I mean, Denver's super beautiful. Colorado is beautiful. Um, so I know that I'm going to make good memories there. So anyways, long story short, super long intro. Um, but we, uh, so the setting, uh, we are in Evergreen, uh, which is roughly about 30 minutes or so outside of Denver. And this is a mansion and it is a mansion. Um, it's definitely a mansion. It's definitely crazy crib worthy um, because of the amenities and the architecture that's featured inside this mansion. Now it's absolutely gorgeous. It sits on a hilltop and it looks over and I can't remember the name of it, but it looks over the main forest. That's like surrounds the out part of the den uh, out outskirts of Denver. Quick question. Quick question for you. Yes, Before we get into this, is this a Mick mansion? It is not. Okay. Thank God. Okay. Just be like, I'm, I'm very familiar with McMansion hell. And like, if this is a McMansion, then like, I'm kind of setting myself up to know what to expect. I now know I have no idea what to expect. Oh, yeah. Okay. Steven so, just sent me a picture. It's very pretty. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Big freaking um, windows. It's mm -hmm. like multi -level. It's like modern architecture mixed with like i don't know it's just very well balanced big big windows i like big windows i'm here for this okay absolutely it's beautiful so far i've never seen a rich person with taste so continue so this particular mansion and i've got a lot of pictures to, to show you but and i'll 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 intermend sporadically but this mansion was designed by a retired race car driver by the name of richard berry and uh, it is nicknamed uh, Thunder Ridge, a.k.a. the Colorado a.k.a. the Colorado Playboy Mansion. Oh, no. <laughs> that wasn't what I was expecting. Okay. <laughs> and, oh, uh, is Hugh Hefner's ghost going to pop out? Uh, no. And, and there and there and there will be no naked ladies in this. So mm, okay, no okay. worries. It doesn't sound like an appropriate nickname, then. Mm. It feels like whoever named this did a bad job. <laughs> they, yeah, they, 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 they chose poorly. Um, Thunder Ridge. We'll stick with Thunder Ridge, because that's, that's the better name. 
Okay. So it sits within 79 acres in the Evergreens. And it was um, designed with automobiles in mind because our Mr. Barry was a, an investor and a supercar aficionado. And he purchased uh, this land for his dream home back in 1998. He purchased it for a little over $800,000. That's really not a lot for Not a lot for this home. Large as the, yeah. Absolutely, for this home and on 79 acres and outside of Denver, Colorado. I mean, that's that's just an... What year did he buy it? Uh, 98. Wow, that is, that is impressively low. Yeah. Okay, continue. So he hired a Boulder-based studio um, uh, group uh, that was an architectural group to help kind of design um, this this house. Oh, oh, well, that makes sense. He purchased the land for 800000 There was no house on it. He designed and built this from the ground up. I need a little. Okay, a that little, makes yeah, way more sense. That makes sense. a lot more sense. A little that more amendment there. That makes a there. lot more sense. Eight hundred thousand is still a lot, but that's seventy-nine acres. So, it, this feels fair. Continue. So, just take a guess. How much was invested into this home before you even see the inside of it? How much do you think Mister Barry invested into this architectural group to design this dream home? Just In looking like, at the outside. In 1998, just looking at the outside, this is like two to three million. Maybe more. It's got to be a lot more, isn't it? Your silence is telling me it's a lot more. He spent, adjusted to today's inflation, just at right around 47 million. What the fuck? 47 million dollars. I was very off. My guess (laughs) is so bad. (laughs) Yeah, you, you need to take your guess. Multiply it by at least 12 and add a little bit from there for inflation. Yeah, so. This too, no, this is too much. 47. Too, where do you give $47 million, <laughs> sir? Uh, uh, sir. A retired race car driver? I mean, he had. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, he had to have had hundreds of millions. I mean, I mean, this guy was, uh, and I, I don't have his net worth pulled up, but uh, yeah, he had to be super, super well to do. So. He hired this this uh, the studio, and the and the actual architect that came and was one of the big proponent in designing the house. He camped up there for about four days. He camped outside for four days just so that that's he could a get very the... dedicated site visit. Speaking as a landscape yeah. designer, like my site visits, I'm like if I can get this over with within like three to four hours, perfect. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so you know. I always hear about the term feng shui and I used to like, I, I remember like there was a time, like I did not know what feng shui meant. Um, obviously I do now. Um, I, I know it's about the balance and flow and harmony of, of architecture and, and of a room, the flow of a room and that all of that kind of helps balance one's spirit, one's chakra, however you want to describe it. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so this arc, this architect was all about that. And he, and he camped out there for four days because he had to get the feng shui perfect. So, it is absolute to him, in his design, the feng shui is perfect. Um, the construction itself, however, we're going to transition to the construction, was just about five years. It took five years, uh, and it was finally completed in two thousand four. This this timeline feels correct. If he's spending this much money yeah. on a house this large on this many acres, again, speaking as a landscape designer who like I I work in construction documents, it takes time. Like I I can only imagine. Yeah. Absolutely. Yep. Um you know, it, like when I just saw the house, I was thinking like, okay, maybe a couple years, you know, at least. You know, but 5 years, yeah, that feels right. It feels right. Um, so this entire house um, is 22,864 square feet, which is, that's a lot of feet, if you ask me. It's a lot of feet. It's a lot of feet. It boasts seven bedrooms for seven brides and seven brothers. <clears throat> and, uh, not really, but... Uh, How dare you. <laughs> there's seven bedrooms and 14 bathrooms. Uh, seven and 14, July 14, that's my birthday. 
I I little fun fact, a little a, a, a cool little thing in there. Seven bedrooms and fourteen bathrooms. Huh. All right, so we got seven bedrooms. You're got, so proud of yourself. I am. <laughs> fourteen bathrooms across a uh, a footprint of about uh, 1.25 acres, and it features a fifty thousand gallon indoor outdoor pool. That's so many gallons. That's too many. That's too many gallons. It also contains a master suite that occupies the entire second floor of the home. And it also features my favorite feature, a world-class movie theater, which also happens to be Mr. Barry's favorite part of the house as well. So the racetrack that I'm assuming he has? No, the theater. Mm. So uh, he told the Wall Street Journal um, back after 2004, 2005, after the house was built, that he wanted to have a piece of the Playboy Mansion here in Colorado. Apparently he was a big fan of the Playboy Mansion. I can think of at least two reasons why he was a fan of the Playboy Mansion. Um, But he he flew in and uh, put in palm trees. Um, they were, uh, they were mummified to help survive the winter frost. Uh, but he put palm trees along the pool. He also, he also put in a waterfall plus slides that flow into it. Okay. The, the waterfall and the slides, I can absolutely get behind. That sounds sick as shit. The palm trees make me angry. (laughs) Right. (laughs) They don't belong there. That is not their natural habitat. I know. You know where they also don't belong? Northern California. They're up here anyways. Like, hey, bud. Hey, bud. You're taking them pretty fucking far from home. Right. Right. They're not meant to be there. Okay. I'm sorry. That was just my piece. I hate palm trees so much unless they are like on an island or Florida. (laughs) Yep. I'm absolutely with you. <sighs> so, anyway, so palm trees. Um, the ceiling in the pool area resembles the night sky that has built-in fiber optics that mimic constellations. What? Even the occasional shooting star. <gasps> it's like when you go to a rainforest cafe. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Just like that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's got a rainforest cafe guy. It's, it's amazing. It's, uh, uh, so uh, also uh, in this polarium, there's a row of glass doors that open to the outside where uh, not too far off, there's actually another infinity pool that overlooks the spectacular mountaintop view that he has because it does sit and reside on top of one of the mountains. I mean, I could have, I, I could have guessed, considering his many, many windows. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Just Keep thinking moving. about... Rainforest guy, he's on top of a mountain, he's got an amazing movie theater, he's got multiple infinity pools. What doesn't this man have? Not much. Not much, that's for sure. Uh, so, the movie theater. And before we continue further, I'm going to pop over just just a couple photos. Of... I was gonna say, do we have a photo of the Rainforest Cafe guy? Oh, would you would you like to see the Rainforest? I rainforest would love guy? to see the Rainforest Cafe guy. Feast your eyes, my friends. Feast. Oh my. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I'm less angry now that i understand that these palm trees are indoors because you said it was an indoor outdoor pool so i just assumed they were on the outdoor portion no no this is all inside all inside and and if you look over to the left hand side you can see that that open area where the the pool kind of flows outside yeah it looks like a garage door yeah that you could probably just like go down yeah yeah this is this is heavenly, but I'm sure that the humidity and the pool smell of this room is still too much to bear. Yeah. Yeah, this guy did a great job. He's no pool, if you ask me. So, moving on. <laughs> I was just going to say moving on. I was just going to ignore it and keep on going. <laughs> uh, Haley, it would be an episode without my famous puns. Yeah, very famous. They're infamous, rather. Mm. Are mm. they? 
So I'm yes. also uploading some pictures of something that's like the inside views, like especially with all like the tall windows. Um, so this room is actually uh, the the outside shot that I showed you. It's that it's kind of almost dead yeah, center. Yeah, it's, it's the big fucking windows. Yeah. You're looking out over everything. I do have to say, very sparsely decorated. Part of me appreciates it, but part of me is also like, get some furniture that fits the size of this incredibly massive room, please. Right. Um, and then also I want to show you really quick the, because I love food. Look at this kitchen. It's amazing. It's just absolutely stunning. Ooh. A stunning. That's a nice kitchen. It's all like black marble and black tile and like multiple islands and a big old range. Yes. Yes. 12,000%. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, so going back to the movie theater, um, real quick before I send you a photo of it, um, did not know, um, as I was reading through, did not really think to put together, but this guy is also a huge, huge nerd too as well. Um, his, one of his favorite, favorite series and favorite things ever is Star Trek. So (laughs) he race car driver nerd designed his movie theater to look like the inside of the Enterprise on the deck. That's so freaking cool. Okay. So okay. The seats. Pictures. Oh, they're coming. Uh, it, it comes complete with a glowing mock control panels that line the walls. Uh, the seats, all the seats look like Captain Kirk's, complete with the Enterprise's logo. And our I was cap- just going to ask if you sat in, in the captain's chair and that looked out onto the, onto the, the view screen. screen. <laughs> yes and uh all of the seats are capable of moving and syncing to the action action sequences that are shown on screen Ooh, that's like star tours yes yes there's also a, a wine cellar and tasting area also this downstairs. is a man of very fine taste i told you a class um as well there is a fully equipped salon for haircuts blowouts manicures and pedicures so I'm going to send you some pictures now of said theater. Theater. There's one. This is from... uh, Hmm? Go ahead. I was going to say, I'm kind of surprised that he's got a a salon. I don't know why, but that one feels out of place in comparison to the rest of them. It does, a little bit. But uh, I sent you two pictures of two different views. All right. All right. This movie theater is very cool. This is extremely good. Yeah. Oh, all the sound paneling on the walls looks like the like white and black scheme of the Enterprise. Oh, ho, ho. I know it's amazing. <sighs> but they still have the classic yucky movie theater carpet. I the know the questionable pattern. <laughs> yep, I know. <sighs> Man, what else you got for me? So I also just some other simple pictures of you know just. You know, some of the bedrooms and... A nice, a casual four-poster bed. Uh, yeah. Super cash. Also... Very cash. Here's the salon. Oh, no, I hate it. (laughs) (laughs) Right? (laughs) There is so much happening right now, and I think it's because all of the walls are covered in mirrors, so it's doing the major mirror effect thing, where everything is just... It's infinity. It's infinity with bad taste. And then this is one of the dining rooms. That's a shitload of wine. The walls are covered in wine. This is the tasting room. Uh, for uh, for I do like the table the though, made room. out of like old gnarled driftwood. Yeah, That's absolutely. Um, so topping this whole mansion off. Meanwhile, there is a monolithic piece of real estate in the farthest downstairs or the farthest under level of the mansion. Like it's got to be the garage, right, Mister Racecar? It is a hangar style showroom featuring and capable of housing one hundred cars. It comes complete with its with an slow with its down, own. Jay Leno. All right, <laughs> it comes complete with a car wash, gas station, and theater style lighting, just to make sure each set of wheels look like a perfect showpiece. Um, That's I, I do appreciate the car wash and the gas station. I feel like those are just helpful to have if you have 100 cars that you need to be gassing up you can't just go down to the corner chevron 
Nope, you can't. And also, too, uh, he he thought ahead and was very considerate. Excuse me. He was very considerate. Um, he put living quarters with a bedroom and two full bathrooms should a the person whoever decides to live here um, Just hire. wants to sleep with their cars? Well, no. Um, but in case you wanted to hire hire um, mechanic staff or... Like, you know that it's a that's a modern day stable boy, right? Literally. It's literally... <laughs> A modern stable. Absolutely. So here are some pictures of the garage. The first is the view of the hangar where all of his cars are currently housed. And it I is mean, it indeed looks like a big hangar. A hangar. It's definitely, is that just an extremely long UPS truck in the back there? Uh, no, that's, that's one of those um, Leno Hummer things, I think. Oh, it's awful. Oh, I know. It's It's the worst one. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Okay, car wash. Nice. Yep, and I think I think that is it for the that's the only pictures that they have online. Yeah, so, that's, that that feels about right. <laughs> so um, it actually so it's this house is listed for sale um, for a oh, are cool we chipping in on this? twenty million dollars, Haley. That's significantly less than he put into it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, but at the same this time, this man's not making his money back. That's no, half. He's not. Yeah, that's yeah, that's definitely half. But still, a cool twenty million. Uh, this house can be yours. All right, everybody. I've got about five hundred dollars to my name. If all of our listeners could just pool together their life savings, <laughs> right? We could. We could have 78 acres to live on. Oh, man. <laughs> that would be amazing. So, yeah. So, Thunder Ridge is the name of this Thunder mansion. Thunder Ridge. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, def- it definitely makes quite a boom. That's for sure. That was... Okay, that was bad. But that was a very good crazy crib. I enjoyed that immensely. Especially the Rainforest Cafe <laughs> Sky. <laughs> I thought you might enjoy that, and uh, I deeply enjoyed that, and I'm less angry about the palm trees now. Good, 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 good. All right. Well, would you like to do a chump change? Da da da, da chump change. <laughs> okay, so I will be doing the chump change this time, um, and uh. Okay, so basically, uh, I've had this on my list for a while, and I just recommend that everyone look into this because I don't have any one single article uh, pulled up about her, but I wanted to inform you that Fidel Castro really liked drinking milk. Like, a lot. Hmm. And so, Fidel Castro said, hey... Cuba's dairy cows are not good enough. They don't produce enough milk to to sate me. So he ended up getting a prized dairy cow uh, whose name uh, is, hold, it's uh, Ubre Blanca, which means white udder. And she is probably the most famous cow to have ever lived because she was Fidel Castro's favorite cow. Because she produced four times as much milk as any normal dairy cow in one day. She was stacked. Yeah. Yeah, she had a lot. She had a lot of milk. And he um, he had a daily milkshake produced out of the milk that uh, Uber Blanca created. Wow. Uh, and then basically uh, he just made sure that that she had literally anything that she could possibly want like he took her on trips with him because he wanted access to his milk so anyways yeah she produced uh 109.5 liters of milk in a single day which is 28.9 gallons mm-hmm mm. Mm-hmm. my uh, goodness that's a lot of milk you know it's that's, a lot of milk that's a lot Did yes he... and a- according to atlas obscura soothing music was piped into the stalls of of her of where she lived every single day to just soothe her 
while she was getting milked. Uh, she had four daily milkings. Um, let's see. Anything else that I'm reading? I'm reading an Atlas Obscura article. I recommend that you just go up and, and try to look. But uh, in case anyone uh, was curious, uh, Castro did try to clone her. Of course. Because he was inspired by Jurassic Park. It didn't work. Um, and also the CIA... Uh, knew that he loved milk and once tried to poison him via milkshake. That also did not work. Hmm. So anyways, that's my chump change. Is that a uh, <laughs> is a dictator uh, having just an extreme obsession with milk and having a favorite cow that he, like, supercharged to produce the world's craziest amount of milk and he took her with him places. That is utterly amazing. Uh, okay, that, I'll give you that one. I'll give you that Thank one. you. Thank you. <laughs> <sighs> okay. You so, ready? Haley, what do you got for me? I got a very good me. one for That was really selfish. I need, what, do you, what do you got I for need us? to preface this. I need to preface my story by saying, one, all of my information comes from two sources. One is an episode of The Dollop about who I am discussing today. Theirs is about two hours long and has a lot more information than mine. I had to wheedle it down to a half hour. So, like, we kind of skip over the end part of their life because there's too, there's too much. There's too much information. And if you want more information, please go listen to the dollop episode. Uh, the, second epi or the second source is a site just called uh, Shannon Celine. And uh, they just had a really, really good article that pretty much laid it all out on the line. So... With that out of the way, and an apology for the fact that I did have to, like, shave all this down to a half hour, and I'm still not certain that I'm going to be able to fit all of it in because there's so much information. Let us begin. Yes. Elizabeth Patterson was born on February 6th, 1785, as the eldest daughter of a wealthy, wealthy, wealthy merchant mm -hmm. in Baltimore, Maryland. Uh, side note. Her mother was named Dorcas. This has absolutely no bearing on the story, but I did write it down because I thought that that was fucking hysterical. Her name is Dorcas. Not who we're talking about. Her name is Elizabeth, but her mother's name, Dorcas. Uh, anyways, as the oldest daughter of a wealthy merchant out of 13 children, Elizabeth was destined to get herself a very good husband, merge those fortunes, be a socialite, all that good stuff that's expected in the late 1700s, where it's just kind of like, hey, you're, you're a lady. Go do what you're good at. So she once, uh, she had extensive journals. She once wrote about herself, uh, quote, nature never intended me for obscurity, end quote. <laughs> she she's she knows what she's about she was really really well known in social circles for being like very witty and smart and just absolutely hot as hell like she was known as being just gorgeous she spoke fluent french and uh in the autumn of 1803 when elizabeth was 18 years old she met a french navy lieutenant named jerome so works out super good that she speaks fluent french sure yeah, Jerome was only 19, so she's 18, he's 19. Surprisingly enough, a good age difference between, the, like, hey, guys, way to find someone in your own age range. Um, hmm. And so he uh, saw her at the ball being hosted by Samuel Chase, who was a signer of the Declaration of Independence. So she was partying with the signer of the Declaration of Independence. Um, that must have been a she, dope party. Yeah, Jerome sees her from across the room, and he's like, excuse me, this beautiful lady has got to be mine. Mm -hmm. So, uh, I don't really know how much longer it was until Jerome proposed to Elizabeth, but it was, like, really soon after meeting. I know that for sure. Um, I also know that her father really didn't approve of the match, to which 
<laughs> Elizabeth said that she would, quote, rather be the wife of Jerome Bonaparte for an hour than the wife of any other man for life, <laughs> uh, end quote. End so she, quote. Drop the mic. So she knows what she's about. She's like, excuse me, I'm marrying this man. I want him now. Good for um, her. A lady that knows what she wants. Good for her. A lady who knows what she wants. Uh, the two were wed on December 4th, 1803. Uh, with Elizabeth wearing a very scandalous and revealing style of dress that was all the rage in France. There were so many newspapers that wrote articles about how scandalous her fashion was. They were like, it's so see-through. She's more naked with that dress on than with it off. (laughs) And uh, it was with this wedding that Elizabeth Patterson was now Mrs. Elizabeth Patterson Bonaparte, wife of the youngest brother of Napoleon Bonaparte, I the love emperor it. of France. I love it. <laughs> it's amazing. Oh, it's amazing. Yeah. Did you catch? Did you catch the last name Bonaparte in her quote about wanting to? Oh yeah. No, I did. Of- <laughs> that was in the back. That was in the back. I was like a Bonaparte, France. Oh, I wonder if. And then you answered my question. <laughs> Yeah, so she just married the youngest brother of Napoleon. Yeah. Uh, and by the way, Napoleon was pissed the fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> Napoleon was not about this. He did not approve of this. His brother had just married an American commoner, like, albeit a wealthy one. But, like, Jerome was supposed to, like, do a political alliance thing and get married to a princess, as is befitting oh. a prince. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Napoleon did, was pissed as hell. Yeah, did he get short also, with him? Yeah, but apparently also the age of marital short. consent was older than 19 in France at the time, which I didn't know. Uh-huh. Uh, because he was supposed to have his guardian's approval for the marriage. And obviously Jerome was off, like, flouncing about in America, was not talking to Napoleon for his approval and just got married. So Napoleon's just like, this isn't even legal, you dumbass. <laughs> <laughs> But anyways, um, Napoleon was mad enough that he cut off his brother's allowance, which thus cut off the lavish lifestyle of the couple. Napoleon insisted that the marriage was not recognized by France. He tried to have the marriage annulled. Um, Jerome thought that the only way to appease his brother was to have napoleon meet his lovely bride in person so early 1805 uh elizabeth and jerome set off to france and they set off on a ship with a friend a doctor and a pet baboon Mm, i've seen this movie Mm -hmm. (laughs) is this dr doolittle yeah Uh, uh and yeah i have no information about the pet baboon just that they decided to bring it yeah there's a story there i know there's a story there. i don't know why they decided to bring it but also the reason why they brought a doctor besides uh ship trips being you know kind of iffy uh elizabeth was pregnant at this point ah makes sense Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so they get to france lo and behold the french would not let elizabeth off of the ship they were like if you set foot on French land, we're gonna kill you. <laughs> oh wow! We'd, like they, yeah. they went straight to the, like kill. Good night. They like it was full on, just like you are not allowed to get off of this boat, otherwise, like a war is going to be started. Oh my god! And so she is stuck on the boat with a baboon. Uh, and her response to the people uh, who wouldn't let her off was, quote, tell your master that Madame Bonaparte is ambitious and demands her rights as a member of the imperial family. <laughs> End quote. <laughs> End quote. So she straight up is just like, I know what I want. I'm a hot 18 year old. And I'm going to get what I want, damn it. And that's to be a fucking princess. Now, if Napoleon would just meet me, a princess, this would all be smoothed over. So, Napoleon, but like, she still wasn't allowed off the boat. She's stuck on the boat with a baboon. Jerome gets off to go and try to talk to Napoleon. Napoleon's response is, 
Hey, Jerome, if you annul the marriage, I will give her a sum of 60,000 francs per year. Is it franc or franc? You lived in France, please tell me. It's franc. It's franc? Okay. I believe. Uh, mm -hmm. So, Jerome, annul the marriage. I'll give her a sum of 60,000 francs per year. She is not allowed to use the name Bonaparte. Neither can your kid. Jerome says, sure, why the fuck not? And Jerome annuls the marriage and ends up becoming king of Westphalia, where I don't know that where that is got to be somewhere in the Empire of France, but I don't know where Westphalia is, but Jerome is king of it now. Yep. Uh, and Napoleon matches him up with uh, Princess Katharina of Württemberg, in 1807. Yikes. So this is two years after the fact. Elizabeth literally will never see Jerome again, except for once on a very totally random happenstance. Hmm. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, Jerome, not not exactly the most loyal. He loved her, but he loves money more, is, is basically what I think that boils down to. Yeah, that's the takeaway. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm, Yikes. Mm -hmm. So, Elizabeth does not take this well at all. That's she goes, that's a shocker. That's a shocker. She uh so she goes over to England uh like trying to like wait things out. Uh she gives birth to her son whom she names Jerome Napoleon Bonaparte. So she's really just not listening to Napoleon's Nope. She hey. basically said suck she it. <laughs> she, she was like oh you annulled the marriage did you really really no my son's name is jerome napoleon bonaparte you said i can't use the name of bonaparte fuck you yeah absolutely that's a big fuck you that's just a big <laughs> fuck you and then she proceeds to uh nickname the baby Bo for bonaparte nice they move back to baltimore together and then she just kind of continues to call herself Madame Bonaparte. Or rather, she doesn't necessarily do that. It's the newspapers who do that because they are deeply invested in this scandal. And so they're just like, hey, man, if she's Madame Bonaparte, she's Madame Bonaparte. So, yeah, yeah, let's roll with it. Let's do it. Let's let's go with it. Mm -hmm. So at some point uh, when when Beau is little, Jerome writes to her and says, hey, send Bo over to me. Not you, just him. But like, I'll make sure that he lives like a king. He'll get everything that he deserves because he is a prince. And Elizabeth says, nah, fuck that. I'm gonna find out how to make him a king without your help. So instead, she starts writing to Napoleon. And what do you know? Napoleon is actually really impressed with her. <laughs> So they he discuss, of yeah, right. Like he absolutely refused to meet her. If he had just let her off of the ship, all of this could have been avoided. But yeah. no, he had to wait until much later, and everything was already fucked up for him to be like, "Oh, you are kind of impre impressive, you tenacious hot lady, you." Mm. Um, so, yeah. So she's writing to him, and she says, "Uh, well, I think it would be nice if we got a title." for Bo, because he's a prince. And Napoleon's like, yeah, we can get a title of prince for Bo. And um, Napoleon's like, well, you probably also deserve a title. So what if we made you a duchess? And I don't know if this deal ever actually went through, but the American newspapers got wind of this and just started calling her the Duchess of Baltimore. Oh. They had a heyday. You know they did. They had such a good oh time my with gosh. her. Oh. Yeah, but, uh, yeah, so in her negotiations with Napoleon, Napoleon decides to send over a man to watch over her and Bo, and, like, the, the one rule that they had was that he's not allowed to leave their side except for when propriety dictates. I don't know anything else about this man. I just know this one little snippet is that a person was sent over and was like, I live with you now. And like, that's it. That's all I know. Hmm. Mm hmm. So. The anyways. Yeah. So 
Uh, oh, also, the reason why I don't necessarily know if her becoming a duchess was ever put through was because these negotiations were happening dangerously close to when Napoleon was ousted for the first time. Sure. Yep. Yeah. So, back in Baltimore, uh, she is just lavishly using her money to look more French. She still believes that, like... She doesn't want to be American. She thinks Americans are slobs. She is super on board with, like, monarchies, thinks that imperialism is super good. She wants to be French. Uh, she becomes super she, bougie. Yeah, super duper bougie. Which, by the way, this freaks out a lot of the founding fathers, and they, like, start petitioning for her to go away. They're like, yeah, no, she's a danger yeah, to society. She's gotta she's, go. She and her son are going to try to become the king and queen of America. This isn't great. Mm. Um, so she's only wearing like the best French fashion, including wearing tiaras. She had tiaras made for her, you know, as befitting everyday wear as a duchess. Uh, she had a custom carriage built with the Bonaparte crest on the side. What? What? <laughs> her servants were dressed only in Bonaparte servant colors, which I believe was like gray and red or something. I'm not entirely certain. Mm, I don't know either. Yeah, I can't remember. Yeah. Her house oh. is completely filled with things that were originally bought for her by Jerome. So back when they were together, all of these things belong in a palace, not a house in Baltimore. <laughs> like your house might be big in Baltimore. It's still not a palace. So she's a veritable museum of fancy French things. Mm. Um, one of the things that was listed of like expensive fancy thing that she owned was a mahogany and brass travel bidet really just unpack that how you will yikes uh, like a, a travel bidet a carved bidet for you to pick up and just walk away with but like how how does an Ow. early 1800s bidet work? Do you have a bucket of water and yeah, like a like little a rubber hose? Yeah. Or... Is your is your servant sitting there like squishing pump. the pump, waiting <laughs> to help you clean your ass? I don't know. I mean, I have so many mental images right now. <laughs> I don't a, have a photo of it, and I really wish that I did. That I'm a little ashamed of right now, and I'm a little embarrassed. But, like, there's <laughs> just so many uncomfortable mental images. Of... It's, just, it's just a lot of questions and mostly feeling bad for servants. You know, okay. that's, like, a really big through line in a lot of, like, <laughs> 1800s, 1700s, and even into, like, the early parts of the Gilded Age. Like, the servants got the crap into the stick pun intended and no, yeah pun like quite intended. literally quite literally yeah. <laughs> they quite literally got the crap into the stick i mean those uh, bastards those yeah. poor bastards yeah equality for them please equality uh we kind of get there eventually in yeah time kind of yeah uh, all right moving on from that depressing topic yeah from the time that Bo was born she was incredibly worried about making sure that he was ready for high society life and who he will marry. A friend of hers once found a list of eligible princesses in Europe that Elizabeth had written. Okay. And this is when Bo was a baby. She's playing matchmaker from the start. She's like, okay, he could probably almost definitely marry this princess or perhaps this princess. I don't know. This one might be a little bit old, but we'll keep her on the list. Uh, she had Bo going to balls starting at the age of eight so he could learn how to be a gentleman, a tiny little gentleman. Mm. Yep. Uh, basically, uh, she goes to Europe. She leaves for Europe and is like, I'm going to be living the high society life I've always dreamed of in Europe. And at the same time, I'm going to be playing matchmaker. I'm going to be out there making connections. I'm going to be socializing the shit out of these people to make sure that everything is ready for Bo. Uh, and then come 1814. 
Napoleon gets ousted. So she takes all of her money because she was getting paid that 60,000 francs a year. Right. Uh, she also was really, really good at investing. And like she was a really fucking smart businesswoman. So she just had a fuckload of money. Um, she takes all of her money, moves to England in search of people who appreciate that she's hot and only 30 years old. And um, Bo writes down when he's a teenager and, and he's visiting her. He says she takes dance lessons three times a week for at least six months. Uh, and basically, like, she's totally determined to get a rich husband. Her entire goal of living in Europe was to enjoy parties, keep making more money, and do the social networking to get Bo his princess wife. Yeah. Um, Bo is not with her. For the majority of her time in Europe. Bo is busy being raised by his American family in Baltimore. And remember how Elizabeth's dad really hated Napoleon? Yeah. So Bo's being basically indoctrinated by his grandfather. Being like, yeah, France kind of sucks. I like America. (laughs) I like America. I like America. Bo... He's really uninterested in being a French royal. He just likes being American, and he just wants to make a monetarily smart match and marry a rich American girl, because he's got a lot of American girl options. And his grandpa was like, yes, do it. Do it right now. Um, Bo ends up marrying an American girl. Elizabeth is heartbroken just devastated she straight up does not talk to him for several months she like cuts him out of her life for a few months just cut him out cut him out (sighs) yeah Uh, eventually Bo ends up having a son of his own elizabeth writes that she feels that she is too old and too fat for life in paris anymore and, uh, like, she, she realizes, like, she can't play the socialites game anymore. Like, all of her friends that she was originally with had all moved to, like, the countryside and were, like, you know, people. And she was just super-duper stuck in the past of wanting to be a party girl. But, like, eventually you can't be a party girl no more. Yep. And um, so she's just, like, super depressed, moves back to Baltimore uh mostly because her father had uh like blackmailed her into it being like you're not married and you're my oldest daughter and you should be taking care of me now that i'm old um but anyways to end this off the bonaparte family like the french bonaparte family Mm -hmm. eventually decide to remove the american bonapartes so this is beau and beau's son from the line of succession which was extremely rude. They were like, we just don't feel like dealing with you anymore. <laughs> sure. Sure. Yeah. yeah. So, like, eventually, Bo and his son go there to kind of, like, talk to the family and be like, why the fuck did you do that? But they're still not a part of the line of succession. But they do kind of, like, get a, a working relationship with them. Elizabeth mm-hmm. is still depressed as hell. But she lives until she's in her 90s and her being a good businesswoman just decides, you know what? I own a buttload of property and I'm going to go collect rent from the tenants by myself. Like, I'm going to go door to door and collect it until I'm 94 and keel the fuck over. So by the end of her life, she's worth $1.5 million, but by and large was really, really disappointed that her son and her grandson were not princes. And that is the story of Elizabeth Patterson Bonaparte. Oh my gosh, what a sad story. I know. It's hilarious, but so sad. I know. It's, it's like, part of me is just like, she's so sassy, and she's so, like, entitled. And part of me is just like, girl, you got no one to give up the ghost, but like... I don't know. I just think that she's really interesting. And I thought that she's the epitome of, like, literally all of this could only ever happen to a rich person. Mm. Mm-hmm. Anywho, I just sent you a photo I did. I of, a, of yeah. a portrait that was painted of her. That's what uh, she looked like. She was cute. She's a cute lady. 
She was. She knew she absolutely. was hot. <laughs> yeah, she knew she was. She was attractive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. Yeah, well, that's Elizabeth Patterson Bonaparte. So uh, I hope everyone enjoyed the tales for today. And uh, you can see literally all of the photos that we talked about. So the, what is it? It's not Thunder Valley. What is the it's name of the house? Thunder Ridge. Thunder Ridge. So all the photos of Thunder Ridge are going to be up, as well as a photo of uh, Fidel Castro's dairy cow. And this portrait of Elizabeth Patterson Bonaparte, <laughs> the woman who married Napoleon's youngest brother. <laughs> mm-hmm. And uh, Sneet's Ferry. Don't forget to reach out. 